Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. Anything possibly happen happened to me. I was part of the, I still, I think, in random ways, I'm still part of this cell outage that hit AT&T customers around the country. Now, when I say it is really disturbing that it happened to me, it's because I don't need my husband to be any more worried about the grid and the end of the world than he already is. So when I came home from the jails today and said, gee, my phone um, wasn't working, he said, ah, oh, these outages, they're going to happen all the time. It's, it's your phones, it's Verizon, it's T-Mobile. They're all affected. You know, the world is ending. Okay. I choose not to think that. But there's some cyber attacks going on that you may not even be aware of. I knew I wasn't. Not just my cell phone outage, because at least when I was around Wi-Fi, I could get my messages. I couldn't make calls, though. But today I find out that pharmacies all over the, the world, not just pharmacies in my neck of the woods, have outages and it's causing havoc. If you're trying to fill a prescription and the pharmacy can't do it, you're pretty upset. A major cell outage affected millions of customers. First, I kept hearing, oh, it was 90,000 people. No, no, millions of customers across the country crippled the emergency services, the 911. No reception on the biggest, I'm a, I'm a member of AT&T since the, you know, its inception of cell phones. So the last company I expect this to happen to is AT&T, but it happened to me. Now, Maybe it was human error. Maybe it was a solar flare. I've heard all of these things today. But if you're a person in needing a prescription to be filled and your pharmacy has been cyber attacked, you don't care what it was. You, you don't care what they're telling you it was. You know that stuff is, uh, is, is really scary. Temporary pharmacy outage in the McConnell Air Base in Kansas. Multiple change healthcare, I don't know who that is, but it's apparently a nationwide firm, prescription processor in North America. No, no report on what happened or how it happened, but you couldn't get your prescription filled. We can receive your RX, but for most insurance plans, we cannot bill your insurance company. If you can wait a day or so to pick up your prescription, that would be great. If you need it today, we can do our best to accommodate individual needs. But let me tell you what they're saying. You have to pay when you come in. 
So there's, you know, there's enough to be scared about without a day like today when my husband goes into total, you know, meltdown because I was one of the ones affected. And that's just the name of the tune. I don't, I don't know what else to say. Um, I took it all in, you know, I, I took it in stride. Thank goodness it didn't affect my broadcast. That's something that would have disturbed me greatly. But here I am on the air, so I can't complain too much. I have a, a an interesting kind of story that I really feel has been undertold. And it has to do with all of these congressional committees and congressional investigations and the likes. I mean, right now it's uh, J Jim Biden was in front of a committee yesterday. And I'm not sure that any of these things have ever concluded anything. You know, the Republicans have said that the president's brother benefited from Hunter Biden's business dealings, that they know he made at least uh, $360,000 on at least one occasion. And this is part, they'd uncovered that as part of this larger investigation into the allegations of, uh, is the first family peddling influence? Were they peddling it when he was VP? Are they peddling it now that he's president? But during his opening remarks to this panel yesterday, he said that over the course of his multiple decades long career, Joe Biden, President Biden, has never been involved. I've had a 50-year career, he said, in a variety of business ventures. Joe Biden has never had any involvement or any direct or indirect financial interest in those activities, none. And he said, look, you know, my brother is too, has too much integrity and character and strong ethics and blah, blah, blah. Well, we know that's not true. But did we really expect that Jim Biden was going to get up there and implicate his family or himself? That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So what is the purpose of these committees? I know what the, the purpose is. It's to sling as much mud on individuals as possible. That's what impeachment hearings against Trump were about. And it's what impeachment hearings against Joe Biden are about. Are about. And this is what we've come to. You know, we got the Chinese infecting with spy malware Lots of important parts of our infrastructure, mind you. And they're having congressional committee after congressional committee to impeach this one and that one, and not much is getting done. Sorry. I'd like to get to the bottom, I would, of many of these accusations. But to what end? It never seems as though anything comes of it other than a lot of attention being paid for a period of time. So I don't know. I, I, I'm just, I'm very frustrated today with all this stuff. You know, having these appearances and I, you know, I, I didn't see any of it. I don't even know if it was televised, but I read the transcript and, you know, he, he said quite simply and very hard to argue with, sorry, he said the committee will have the information to conclude that the negative and destructive assumptions about me and my relationship with my brother Joe are wrong. And of course, then the president and the White House said, 
all right, enough already. Close down this inquiry. You don't have any basis for this inquiry. Not that they ever had any basis for the inquiries into Russian collusion or anything else. How much time and money are the American public expected to waste on this stuff? That's all I want to know. You know, because the bottom line is, I got a border that's wide open. I got cyber attacks going on all over the place. I've got uh, people, literally, people worried that their property isn't going to hold its value. And then I'm reading stories about there's a $300 million property in Naples. Not, I have nothing against Naples, but this mega estate, Gordon Point, is set to become the world's most expensive property. Okay, so I guess things aren't as bad as they feel to us in the middle class. That's all I can say. They don't see the huge disconnect. Like, we really don't care to prove that Joe Biden's family is corrupt. We pretty much know that. We know that Burisma Holdings and Ukrainian Energy that Hunter Biden knew nothing about and yet made him a board member and paid him millions of dollars we know there's something fishy with that. And, and nothing that you reveal to us is going to make us know more. So can we get down to some real business? Can we get to some uh, relieving of the pain for the middle class? Because apparently the rich are doing fine. If, you, if you've got properties in Naples, now, and I know I keep saying that and you're thinking like, what's wrong with Naples? It's not that anything's wrong with Naples, Florida, but come on, the most expensive property in the entire world is in Naples, Florida? That just seems unusual to me. I don't even know who owns this property. It's like three mansions. I was looking at pictures of it earlier. Who's gonna buy this? I mean, I guess Bezos or, or Musk. It's got docks, it's got three mansions, it's got beach frontage, water on three sides, it's got three swimming pools, it's got a yacht basin. You can put six boats there. And you're just a short drive away from everything that Naples has to offer. Don't I sound like an advertisement now? Whoever ends up buying this estate is also going to get an associate membership to the Port Royal Club. Apparently, the owners are family members of the late financier John Donahue. Yeah, John Donahue and his wife, Rodora. Have you ever heard of him? Because I haven't. According to family lore, Donahue was flying above Naples in the 80s when he spotted the inhabitant island the mansion currently stands on and said, hey, I think I'll buy the land. And then he... uh, it had nothing on it but like a fishing cottage and a bunch of mangroves. And over the years, he just kept buying up all the surrounding land and ended up with close to 60 acres in this gated Port Royal community. And now his 13 children and 84 grandchildren are ready to part ways with this compound. We've all enjoyed it, but it's more or less time to move on, Bill Donahue says. We nicknamed one of the rooms the presidential suite because George H.W. Bush and Barbara stayed there one time. I mean, I read that stuff and then I walk into Publix just this morning 
and I see people who, you know, their baskets, their carts are virtually bare bones. You know, a, a young mother with, uh, she had one baby with her and probably had two school-age kids who weren't with her and a cart with a lot of cereal, a lot of cereal and two gallons of milk. Thank God she could get the two gallons of milk, a, a big gigantic package of American cheese and three loaves of bread. I mean, there wasn't enough nutrition in that cart to keep a an amoeba healthy. But don't worry, because we're going to get to the bottom of uh, Joe Biden's family connections. And, and that apparently is the most important thing that's going on right now. There's such a disconnect between the political class and us. It's crazy. These inquiries, they're interesting, fascinating, should be done, but not until we've straightened out some of the mess. And we don't seem to have a, a political class that even knows there is a mess. Never mind is willing to straighten it out. No wonder people love Donald Trump. That's all. Anyway, don't forget to download the app, the 850 WFTL app. That way you could listen to all the podcasts and be part of the contest. Rib Roundup's coming right up. If you want to win tickets, you got to get on there or go to the website, 850WFTL.com. Quick break. I'll be right back. I just don't understand how there could be such a tremendous gulf between the haves and the have-nots still with all the information that's available to us. And instead of Congress and the White House, not for nothing, but telling 156,000 people that their student loans are forgiven, uh, it doesn't seem to me like even getting close to the seriousness of student debt, nor does it seem to be anywhere close to making a, a way for young people to buy homes and to, to, or, or be able to pay their rent without having to live, you know, seven people to an apartment. I, I mean, do they not understand that that's what we're going through? And when I say we, look, obviously, I'm in a good moment in my life and I'm not struggling right now. But I have kids and grandkids that are, and, and they're working hard. They're not lazy. They're not on any kind of uh, assistance. You know, I keep begging my, my stepdaughter to, to just go get some, some uh, food stamps. You know, you're entitled. She works her butt off, and, and she's struggling. Her rent is like $2,000 a month. I, I can't even wrap my mind around that, Okay. And, and it's impossible for her to buy unless, you know, she doesn't want a co-signer because I've offered. She wants to do it herself and, and they just make it impossible for her. And it just, it just it, it's so frustrating to be sitting here day after day reporting on how they, they don't seem to really care. They certainly don't care that I have a southern border that's wide open and that people are streaming across that border, people from all different nations, and they get more benefits than my family does. That is very aggravating to everybody. And yet, it doesn't seem to uh, even occur to them that it may cost them either side in their 
elections. I mean, who's going to vote for anybody who's not going to give them some relief? It's all about the pocketbook. We know that. Do you think really people vote based on whether uh, there are white nationalists protesting in Florida? It's an, it's an interesting story. Okay. But people vote based on the nothing but cereal and white bread in the shopping cart. That's what they vote on, if they vote. They're so disillusioned that they may not even vote. So many people talking about these things, and the, the, the Congress is detached. Do you realize that half of the college graduates in America today are working jobs that do not use their degrees? Think about that. So we're forgiving loans for degrees that have turned out to be useless. That doesn't seem like a logical good move. Bachelor degree holders in college-level jobs earn nearly 90% more than people with just a high school diploma in their 20s. But underemployed college graduates earn 25%, only 25% more than high school graduates, not 90%. So in one year, we've seen this tremendous drop in the value of a degree. It's just not worth it. And if it's not worth it, then why are we loaning money to people to get them? And then why are we put in the position where we have to forgive the loans? Look, I come from a family where mine was the first generation to go to college, never mind to graduate and go to graduate school. All right. And then the next generation, my children, uh, you know, got to go to college and grad school and have uh, great professions, blah, blah, blah. But at what cost? You have to become either a high powered attorney or a specialist in some sort of medical practice. Or what are you doing? A, A degree in education, which I had. A degree in psychology, I have psychiatric social work. What, what kind of job can you get? You can get a job, uh, you know, selling timeshares. You can get a job in retail. You know, maybe I could be a manager in a, food, in a fast food restaurant. It's crazy. We should be encouraging young people to take some time off after high school and start thinking about what you might like to do and stop worrying about the college degree. Because if you take an entry-level sales job right now out of high school, by the time you would have received your degree three, four years later, you'll probably have gone up the ladder. And you'll now be managing instead of laboring. I, I just, um, um, I want Congress, I want the president to either Get busy fixing these things or get the hell out of the way. I really mean that. Let the states handle it. And if you don't like the way your state is handling it, move to another state. You know, this idea that the federal government sitting in Washington, D.C., which is like la-la land. I mean, L.A. is bad enough, but D.C. is crazy. I mean, they're so detached from reality, it's not even funny. And they're making decisions about everything. The founding fathers wanted there to be multiple laboratories. That's what the states were. And they could each try out various things. Now, obviously, you need to have some federal legislation 
You, you want a road system that works. You want a military that works. That would end up being a national issue. And so would immigration, except that we are now proving that doesn't work either. States are doing a better job. Uh, look at Greg Abbott, okay? But if they can't get anything done, then w why do we pay them $200,000 a year to go up there? I, I just, I can't rationalize it anymore. And not only do we pay them $200,000 a year, each congressman, and 260000 for the 100 senators, not only do we pay them all that money, we staff their offices, we have high-priced real estate in D.C. that they get to, uh, you know, operate out of, and they are not expected to get anything done. I, I'd like to explain to the owner of Hubbard Radio, hey, look, you know, just pay me. If I can get anything done, that'd be nice. You know, I, I might show up and do a show every now and again, but don't count on me being there every day. And even if I am there, don't count on it being entertaining or getting ratings or anything. Like can you imagine how long I would last with any of my employers? 34 years in August on the air in this market. At no point in time have I ever been fired well, I should take that back. Have I been fired for not doing my job? You know, and and that's that's a direct result of knowing what's required in the position that I have acquired. Washington is malfunctioning because apparently they don't know what the job entails. See, the job does not entail putting a lapel pin on and getting upgraded to first class when you fly home uh, to your district, if you even still do that. How many of these congressmen, really their residents now and their families are living in DC and they keep an address in their district just because they have to, but they don't know what's going on in their district. I can't tell you, there was a, a congressman, Robert Wexler, for years, nobody ever saw him down here. And, and you could tell he was so deeply embedded in Washington that when he gave up Congress, he became like the head of a huge agency, USAID, because he was a political animal. This is not working. And, and it's not the fault of the Constitution. It's not the fault of the founding fathers and the documents. It's not their fault. It's our fault. We accept this crap. I assure you that uh, Clear Channel wouldn't accept it, Hubbard wouldn't accept it, or any of the companies I ever worked for would have accepted me saying like, well, I'll show up when I feel like it and I'll do what I feel like doing. They had very specific uh, job descriptions. Get on the air when you're supposed to, don't say any of these nasty words and entertain the audience enough so that they stick around when you go off the air and listen to the next show and enough that they come back the next day. It'd be nice if you get ratings, but you know we're more concerned with retention of an audience. So I said, okay, I know what I gotta do. You know, I have to devote myself to being informed and entertaining. The minute I stop doing that, Trust me, there'll be no love lost. They'll just uh, they'll just tell me to pack it up. And here, I don't even have to pack it up now. Um, you know, all I got to do is send back the equipment. <laughs> it's crazy. And I got Congress people who don't do squat and make two hundred, two fifty, all that kind of money. Uh uh, uh uh. It's time to it's time to take the country back.
And if it means, you know, term limits, then that's what it means. I've always said, no, term limits, we have elections. If they're not doing their job, fire them. Don't vote for them again. It's not working. We need term limits. They don't get the job done, get rid of them. Give somebody else a chance. I know people who run businesses in Broward County who would do a better job than Jared Moskowitz as my congressman. End of story. That's all. All right, let me take a quick break. I'm obviously not, you know, uh, I'm not feeling the love today. Um, I'm full of, of antipathy and rage towards the federal government. So if that disturbs you, tough. I'll be right back. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. And I see how everything that I said would happen happens. And then this administration goes, well, maybe I better do something about it. Hey, maybe I'll do what Donald Trump did about it. Because that that border negotiation died. But the problem at the border hasn't gone away, right? So now uh, President Biden is considering an executive order that would restrict the ability of migrants to claim asylum. And that does not require congressional approval. How many times over the last three years have various talk show hosts and television pundits all said, he has the power right now to stop this? An executive action, that's right. He never minded all those executive actions to undo all of Trump's executive actions, right? So now he's going back to the plan that Donald Trump had. Turn asylum seekers away at the border if they cross illegally. That's all. It, does this not make perfect sense? Because that's what Donald Trump tried to do, to restrict access to asylum. And guess what? If he returns to the White House, he won't just talk about it. He will do it. Because the legal authority that, that President Biden is considering is what powered Donald Trump's ban of people from countries that had terrorists and uh, all the restrictions at the border, which unfortunately got tied up in the courts and didn't have the support of the Republican Party, which is really uh, just infuriating. If elected again, Donald Trump has said he's going to use Section 212F of the U.S. Code. That grants the president broad powers to suspend the entry of all aliens or any class of aliens as immigrants or non-immigrants if their entry would be detrimental to the interests of the United States. Can we all agree now that their entry has been detrimental to the United States? It's not that every individual is bad. It's just that in amongst uh, uh, many of the incoming I don't know what else to call them. I'm not allowed to say alien. I'm not allowed to say illegal immigrant. I, you know, I, I, I'm hamstrung. But what I do know is that you can go into any part of this country right now and you can see the effect of unbridled immigration. You see it in the amount of uh, narcotics that have come into this country, particularly this fentanyl, which is just killing people. You see it in the 
child slavery and child labor practices, stuff that we would never tolerate. We, we shouldn't tolerate. This is not a third world banana republic. So the administration spent months trying to negotiate a, a, you know, a deal. They knew they weren't going to be able to do it. So they didn't, they didn't bother with executive action. Uh, now we got an election. Yeah, the election's coming up in less than 10 months. Better do something quick. And I'm telling you right now, whatever Joe Biden plans on doing will still depend on resources that Congress is going to have to provide. And they got some crazy folks on the Democratic side that may not buy into any of this because they, they worry about the Latino groups and, and whether or not they'll show up at the polls. They got the progressive wing of the party, the AOCs and the Rashida Talibs and all those, and there go. I can't even uh, talk about the border. So, look, how long, really, how long did they think they could do this? They waited right up until almost an election to open that border to everybody and anybody who wanted to come into this country, in spite of the fact that people like the mother that I saw in Publix this morning can't feed their kids anything but crap, can't afford to buy a home. And we're fighting over, uh, you know, how much money we should send to the Ukraine, how much money, you know, uh, should we allocate for illegal immigrants in New York City. Americans are pretty tick, ticked off at this. They really are. And it's going to show at the polls. It always does. Now, apparently, there is uh, CPAC going on. Y you all know how I feel about CPAC. It's nonsense. Once upon a time, it was relevant. Now it's not relevant because, you know, they are very selective about which people uh, that rock the boat they all allow to be there, right? You know, it's okay to bring Steve Bannon in this year, well, you know, so that he can get up there and say, MAGA, 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 and everybody's going to give him a big, he got a, like a standing ovations when he walked in, a rock star reception is how they put it. People came to CPAC from Romania. I mean, Why? But anyway, I remember when they decided, well, you know, but uh, Pam Geller is too controversial. Ann Coulter is too controversial. Really? It's just unbelievable. So the War Room is super popular, uh, Bannon's podcast, right? So he brought the War Room to the National Harbor in Maryland, about seven miles south of D.C. And uh, unbelievable. You know, he comes out, Bannon comes out thunderous applause okay what does that tell you it tells you that all of this nonsense about how oh mag is the end and mag is this and Ma no it's the only hope and it doesn't take a steve bannon to to prove that let me just try and calm down you know uh, uh, there, that sad news yesterday about that 11 year old that uh, they they found her body in the river um, with a rock tied to her. But when you look at, you know, the, this is going on all over the country. 
children are not being cared for. We don't have any respect for life. We have no respect for children. We just don't. This father had this sicko, uh, you know, babysitting for his kid, and then the sicko killed his kid. I think the father should be prosecuted along with the sicko. I think the, you know, the, the, this trial that they had where the, the uh, shooter's parents ended up uh, uh, getting convicted. Well, the mother got convicted and the father has to stand trial. It's about time. Let's start holding adults uh, responsible for what these so-called uh, out-of-control kids are. You look at what happened in, in Kansas City and you say to yourself, really? We want more illegal immigration? Really? We don't have enough problems internally? Let's import some problems. I don't know about the rest of you, but like, uh, I think we have enough uh, lawn services. I think we have enough people cleaning hotel rooms. I think we even have enough people picking vegetables and fruits, although they, they'll tell you over and over again, no, no, you can't, uh, can't dry up that form of labor. That's right. We want to abuse people and pay them less than minimum wage to do work that Americans always did. No, no, Americans won't do that work anymore. Really? I can't, uh, I can't, I can't ab agree with that. Teenagers always did that kind of work. Young people work two jobs, three jobs to make sure they can make ends meet. But now they can't because they're not going to work for $5 an hour. It's frustrating. And then we got the little uh, rocket man who, <laughs> you know, I did my thought of the day about this. I don't know what he's doing except he's getting a lot of attention. A decision to go to war, though, usually is accompanied by military buildup along the border. Okay, he's doing that. Or stockpiling arms. Well, he's not doing that. He's sending the arms to Russia. It's pretty important to remember that there have been holy wars before. And the North and the South are not friends. The North is crazy. It's odd, right? doesn't mean it's irrational. You know, Kim Jong-un is wedged between an unfriendly U.S.-backed neighbor, South Korea, and a prickly, if indifferent, associate China, and one who's uh, somewhat sympathetic in Russia. So from Kim's perspective, it makes more sense to cozy up to Russia and to engage in some provocation when he, Russia tells him to. It makes less sense to start a full-scale war but he doesn't make sense. It's not unthinkable. He visited Russia. The, the president, Vladimir Putin, just gave him a limo because he loves him. What? <sighs> okay. I'm, I'm trying. I really am. I'm going to take a deep breath right now. <sighs> um, no amount of meditation is going to relieve me. When I got you know, the buddies of Kim Jong-un and uh, Russian President Vladimir Putin pledging full and unconditional support, I'm in, I'm in a little bit nervous. And then my phone goes on the blink. Mm. It's, it's, it's serious. And if you're not taking it serious, you're better. All right. Um, don't forget, coming up after me is Eric Erickson. He's much more calm than I am. Maybe too calm. And then uh, <laughs> it'll be uh, uh, Joe Paggs, who I love, and Lars Larson, who I love. And then, of course, back in the morning, Jen and Bill to wrap up this week. It'll be Friday. 
it couldn't come soon enough for me. Uh, at 9 o'clock, Brian Kilmeade, and at noon, Dan Bongino, and then I come back at 3. But I still have stuff I want to talk about. And if you can tolerate my insanity, stay right where you are. I'll be right back. And, and it goes on in my head all the time. You know, another day of waking up at 3 o'clock in the morning and trying to figure out how we can move the needle on the political mess in Washington. And you know, it, it's, it's all good and well uh, to talk about, well, we gotta get people to vote. Yes, we gotta get people to vote. But you know what else? We gotta get people to understand what they're voting. They, they don't get, not everybody gets a chance to express themselves the way I do. And I can't even imagine how you survive feeling the way I feel. You know, maybe I stand in the gap for you. Maybe when I have a day like today where I'm just uh, calling it out, calling them all out, you get some relief inadvertently. <laughs> and, I, I, you know, I, I'll continue to do that. But we need some solutions, right? We need some solutions. In a three-to-one ruling, thank God, even the psychos in New York have said that a state law that would have granted non-citizens the right to vote in local elections was unconstitutional. In a three-to-one ruling. I was really nervous about this. This was a bill that was approved back in 2021, and then it was put in place in 2022, despite opposition from anybody who believes in the Constitution. It's reckless legislation. But there's still a little hope because the courts said, no, 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 you can't do that. Non-citizens should not be voting in our elections. Not that this is going to mean that they won't be. <laughs> it just means that they won't be doing it and, not, and, and hopefully some of them will get caught. I do have to mention that all this talk about who the next, who the VP selection is going to be for Donald Trump. And, you know, and he teases a lot. He's been putting out a lot of uh, emails and, and texts, whatever it is he does. Um, and apparently when he was doing the town hall with Laura Ingram, she listed a bunch of people and he said they were all contenders. I don't, I don't think that's true, but I think that he likes to keep people guessing. The problem is what he said. He has got to select somebody who is ready on day one to assume the presidency. And why do I say that? Well, first and foremost, they're not going to start coming after him. They're not. And I don't know how that manifests itself. I don't know if he ends up in jail. I don't know. I don't know if there's a real danger to him. I, I know people are praying that he be protected because these people will stop at nothing. When I say these people, I'm talking about legitimate politicians. They will stop at nothing. And, and don't think that just because we have so much media that's able to talk about it and that we can get on the air and bring these things to the surface, don't think that that will dissuade them from trying. They will. They will. 
I'm not a big believer in this vote by mail and the absentee ballots and all that other stuff. You know my preference. There should be an election day and people should go and vote on election day. Their employers should make it possible for them to have time to vote on election day. And we should have paper ballots to back up the votes because it's just going to get worse. All of, I, When do we start voting in Florida? You, know, uh, you probably don't even know, but trust me, it's months before election day. Why? Why? There's only a handful of people who actually would qualify to vote by mail. I mean, I got a neighbor who's 96. I would allow her to vote by mail, okay? She, she's not going out. She has enough trouble uh, getting to doctor's appointments. She can't stand on a line and wait to vote. So she can have an absentee ballot. But I can't harvest it. There should be a legitimate, uh, you know, her ability to mail that in and have it verified through signature. That's simple. But it doesn't require weeks and months to do that. We got to crack that. We got to be serious about this. You know, I'm guilty just like you are of waiting until it's so intolerable that I stomp my feet and get crazy and psychotic. But no, no, no. We have to, we have to take back this, this country. And I don't know if we can have a federal government in the context of the one we have right now. It's not looking positive. We may have to term limit these guys out of there because they're not going. They're not leaving. And if they don't leave, the people who create the problem cannot be entrusted to solve the problem. That I know. And the people who could care less about what the, the ladies and gentlemen in their districts are going through and are more concerned with making sure they get reelected are not the right people to send to Washington. And thus far, that's what we've been doing. So we got to stop. We just have to stop. I'm really very disturbed over my, my cell phone, you know, being out of whack all morning and hearing three different versions of why it was out of whack all morning. I can tell you why it was out of whack, because the infrastructure is falling apart. That's why. And because we don't know who our friends are, and even though we know who our enemies are, they're streaming in to the country across our border. So I thank you for your time this time. Until next time, I'll be back tomorrow at 3, if it be his will, and he delays his coming. What lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself. Everybody else is taken. And then do something. Stop whining. Stop complaining. Get out there. Get the vote out. Do what you can do. May God bless you. And may God save the United States of America. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.